the move. Blasted towards goal. Cenku Jack got it there. Cenku Jack's first goal in AFL footy. He looks brilliant. Wingard. Spinning move was superb. How good that time to look over his shoulder. Jack Wingard, brilliant. Simply brilliant. That Brockman by hand. More, more. Bends it. Nails it. The Hawks are up by three goals. Grabs the jumper. Hello, welcome back to the Hawthorne Fancast, episode number 12, I believe this is. Today, we're going to be reviewing our win over North Melbourne, which is great to be back on the winners list, James, and previewing our upcoming game against the Tigers. How are you, James? Great. And it was a game that we should have won pretty early in the first quarter if it wasn't for some inaccurate first half kicking, uh, dominated from the outset. And I think this win pretty much broke North and, and, and their supporters. Yeah, broke the AFL as well because they're about to hand over a priority pick, it looks like, or they're, they're searching for some compensation for this loss. And look, it is an all-time left North, but we're here to talk about the Hawks. The Hawks are back on the winners list, which was great. But once again, this goal-kicking woos, especially at Marvel Stadium, weirdly enough, and which I find odd considering there's you know no elements that actually influence the ball due to the roof being closed. But uh, yeah, we got a right scare because of our goal-kicking. Yeah, it was a familiar game to when we played the Saints just a couple of weeks ago at the same ground where... It felt like we were so dominant and it just yeah, that's capitalize right. on any opportunities. And thankfully, yes, they were playing a much worse opposition um, that didn't make us pay, considering uh, they had more goals than us at halftime. Yeah, just for the listeners out there, we're going to give you a bit of an insight, I guess, to how we saw the game. I mean, James over here was very, very, very frustrated, especially for the first half, really worried we were going to drop the game. And look, it's a fair assumption to make that we, you know, they could have got a run on. And won it. I was always pretty confident that we'd win the game just because of our dominance around the ground all day. But yeah, it was a bit of a scare because we just couldn't finish them off. There was a bit of a scare in the second quarter when North Melbourne got a run. I think they kicked three goals to none in that term. They actually won the quarter quite mm-hmm. convincingly. I think the issue I had was we've found a lot of times during the year is that we play a really nice first quarter, don't quite capitalise, and then teams kind of work us out at quarter time and run over the top. And we saw Gold Coast do that a couple of weeks ago where we actually had a really nice first quarter, could have been a few more goals up at the end of it, and then we will just completely un- overrun. And obviously, North Melbourne aren't the quality of, of, of Gold Coast. Gold Coast aren't a great quality, but they're a team that can punish um, if required. And uh, North Melbourne seemed to get on top a little bit in that second quarter and we failed to make some opportunities that I thought that at half time it was anyone's game. Yeah, I think that's the, never, the next evolution of this football club is the ability to put on some more scoreboard pressure and really put teams away, put them to the sword when it matters. It feels like right now we really have to grind for our goals and our wins. I hope it comes to a point either towards the end of this season or next season where we can really go out there and really put a team away before half time and go into the second half more calm. Because right now it seems like even when we're up on all the statistics, I think we're up by like plus 30 in inside 50s and the score was like 14 points of difference. So that's been a bit of an issue for us this year. It's a real worry. Our midfield's been on top pretty much all year. Uh, there just seems to be a disconnect at the last kick inside forward 50 where, where we really struggle. And there was heaps of moments on the weekend, despite actually hitting targets and missing some easy goals. Bruce missed an easy one, hit the post. Fergus and Impey had similar shots in the first quarter that they both missed. And we had some running goals missed. But some of our entries going in were, were, were shocking. We were always kicking to Mitch Lewis, who was on a two-on-one with Mackay and mm-hmm. Core. And then they just used to, they just kept rebounding it consistently. Yeah. We kicked some really deep into pockets, into areas that even if it did work out, were we going to get a nice shot on goal from them? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Let's stay with this for a little bit more because even though it was a good win, we had clearly some areas to work on throughout this game and North were absolutely shocking. They really gave us not much of a scare in any part of the game, in my opinion. I know they kicked those two goals and got within a close score line, but in terms of the general play, I thought they were out of it pretty much all day. Well, what, what do you make of our forward difficulty? Do you think it's personnel there? Do you reckon it's our entries? I mean, you seem to think it's about entries. I personally think it's about our lack of secondary tour we've got. I mean, we had DGB come Absolutely. on as a sub. Mitch Lewis, they were clearly trying to aim for, especially in that first half, and he actually came pretty good in that third quarter and kicked two crucial goals. So, well done, Mitchy boy. But it looked like we are really lacking that secondary tour. It's a bit of both because I feel like Bruce and Mitch Lewis were kind of poor, but they both finished with three goals, and yeah. they were not at their best at all. Yep. So, the personnel in there... We've obviously got some good guys, but yeah, is there lack of support for someone like Mitch Lewis? I really wanted to see Ramsden get a go this week. Obviously, he was out with concussion, but yeah, uh, that was unfortunate uh, as a laid out. Uh, but he would have been really good to watch, especially against a North defence that's that's not that great. Um, to see if that would have freed up Mitch Lewis a little bit, because we saw when DGB um, came on, he looked pretty competitive, and, and Mitch Lewis and, and a bit of our forward line got off the chain the minute DGB came on. That's when we started scoring goals. So yeah. are we missing that second tall? Fergus isn't a second tall; he's a third no, tall, and he struggled. And he struggled a lot. I, I know he did. He was carrying an injury for a lot of the game. He uh, got his knee strapped off and uh, strapped up, and then he couldn't couldn't go on. Um, so there might be a little bit in that. Well, yeah, let's stay with uh, the forward still because I thought no forward had a particularly good game on the weekend, but the two you actually mentioned were probably the two best forwards, uh, no. Bruce and Lewis. Even though, yes, they didn't have prolific games, I wanted to just ask you a question because it's something that I've noticed as a big trend this year. Is our only two players that can continue to kick multiple goals a game or bags is both Bruce and Lewis. Like, Bruce seems to have a weird knack that even if he has a bad game, he's always on the score sheet a couple goals, three goals a game. Yeah. We, I don't remember really the last time we had a lot of other forwards in there kicking multiple goals. Is that a really big issue, even amongst the small forward ranks? I think it's an issue in terms of someone that can kick a bag consistently. I think Wingard has a bag in him. I think Brockman can kick. We, we saw him kick three earlier against North down in Tassie. So we've definitely got people that can score multiple goals and pushing three to five goals. Um, but there's no one that I'd trust outside of... Bruce and Lewis to put in a shift. And we noticed last week against GWS, we lost by, what, 13 points. If Bruce was playing, that's two goals there. Yeah. And, and we, we could win the game. So, that's so right. we are really lacking a consistent forward. See, yeah, on paper, I think our forward line's pretty good. And I think they've had an okay year in, in all, especially compared to our defence. But I still wonder if our defend, our forward line, sorry, we need a few more dangerous people in there. Because I'm starting to feel right now that if Bruce and Lewis aren't having a good game, I don't really know where the goals come from as much. Uh, I know Brocky at his best is pretty good, but I would say he's been pretty underwhelming over the last few games. Saying that, he did have the most pressure acts on the ground. His ability to hit the scoreboard has kind of reduced, if anything. Sam Butler had a pretty good game VFL, so there's an option for him to maybe come in. Uh, who else we got in the forward line right now? There's not really any others that are performing. Green, actually, to his credit, the last few weeks had a pretty good week. Wingard had a great week last week. Didn't manage to get on the scoreboard this week. I liked him this rather week. Rather just inaccuracy. I liked him this week, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And he didn't score a goal, but it always seemed like when he had a ball outside 50 that his delivery uh, was good going inside 50. And he's he, he just looks the most creative. I feel yeah. like we've got... Guys, and a, lot, a, lot of them are mid, a lot of them are our midfielders, and, and obviously their job is to win clearances, but some of the quality of balls that they bomb in aren't high quality. And then, and then you get in the hands of a wing guard or Carl Amon, um, and they just dart it in. 
and and they try and create something. Connor McDonald as well. Josh, even Josh Ward likes these little dinky kicks. So guys like that, we need to get in their hands, opposed to maybe Warpool, Newcomb, and Nash, and even Day that seem to just bomb it as long as they can. Yeah, I do like how some of the halfback wingers and mids are getting on the score sheet this year. There's been yeah. a few of them. I mean, Warpool kicked a really nice goal for our. I think it was first their first day, goal of the yeah. game. Yeah. And um, Newcomb's pretty good for a few goals. He didn't kick one the weekend, but that's okay. Na- Nash is probably the only midfielder that doesn't really get on the goal line too much, but he plays a lot more inside his sort of handball game, and that's okay. Impey's pretty good from range, and Kyle Amor kicked an absolute laser on the uh, on the weekend, which is fantastic to see. And I really want to see him sort of hovering around that edge of 50 line for some actually like shots of goal. I know he passes a lot because we give him sort of the license to really have those goal assists. But uh, yeah, I was a bit disappointed the wing guard didn't get on the score sheet, but he... He, he missed a for, nice and easy one yeah, uh, at the did. start of the third when we were trying to break that uh, inaccuracy drought before Mitch Lewis kicked two in a minute. I know Wingard had a, a easy shot. I want to talk about our rebuild. And, and you say you don't want to talk about other teams on the podcast, but we've been rebuilding for two years opposed to North Melbourne's four. Yeah. Um, we beat them twice this year. Hmm. Both times comprehensively, but both times should have won by more. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the potential of players we're bringing in compared to theirs is chalk and cheese by what we saw yesterday. And, and we talk about like Connor McDonald and, and, and Josh Ward and Josh Weddle um, just being a few of those names and how they turned it on at times yesterday um, comparing to some of North's uh, young young guns that just may, might not be coming along as nicely. Yeah, I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for North. Um they're kind of a laughing stock, but I also feel a bit sorry for them. I mean, clearly they don't really have those old heads that really lead the team. You know, we still have the Sicilies and the Bruces left over from the Premiership. But, um, okay, so so they've got a leader. They brought in Liam Shields. Yeah, um, but why? So that, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's a questionable uh, move in my He opinion. played 69% of game time yesterday. Yeah. He had the last quarter he was on one leg. He had the most tackles and most score involvement for North Melbourne. Now, that's an indictment of where they're at as a club if Liam Shields is doing that for them. So great, that, great, that, great that, just, out. that just tells you where they're at as a club. Where He wasn't getting games at us last year when yeah. we were arguably a worse side than what we are this year. You can look at it whichever angle you want. Um, and Liam Shields is going into North Melbourne starting most weeks and is their best player and he's not even playing a full game. Yeah, it, that's a really good call, by the way. I'm glad you actually found that statistic. Yeah, I think it's also not just a personnel point of view because I actually do think North have some good players coming through with Harry Sheasel, George Wardlaw, unfortunately, and got injured. And be a great... Like, George Wardlaw, Harry Sheasel... They had a good Nick, draft last year. Uh, Wardlaw, Sheasel, LDU, and Larky are four untouchables and yeah. four A-graders, potential A-graders. And credit to North have signed most of those players on pretty yeah. longer contracts. There's no one outside of that list that is pushing... For, and this is from an outsider's view. I'm not a North Melbourne fan. I, I'm, yeah. I don't look at them too closely. But there's no one outside of those four players that I can see, okay, you're going to be an A grader. And you look at our list and jo- Josh Weddle's in his like 12th or 13th game and he's going on runs like he did yesterday. Yeah. Super composed. Um, didn't panic at all when he was almost running into walls, almost forgetting to take a bounce, but just taking the game on. And you look at him in his 13th game and like, mate, this guy's an A grader. If he's doing this in his 13th game, imagine game 33, imagine game 53, imagine game 100. Like, he's going to be exceptional. Conor McDonald's second half of the year um, has been That's fantastic. 
uh, Josh Ward since his comeback has been on absolute fire. Yeah. So you compare these sort of guys roaming the field yesterday at their absolute best, and then you look at some of North's players, and obviously Sheasel, we had to tag him, absolute gun. Wardlaw, before he got subbed off, absolute gun. But outside of those two, you couldn't see much positives. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, look, they're good calls. I want to stay with Weddle just for a second because I don't I think this a... game yesterday. We yeah, see, he had a more, more quiet in terms of the disposal count, maybe on the stat sheet. But those runs, the confidence to show... Like, I, I remember kind of being hard on Jarman Impey last year or the year before. I know he's playing with an injury. Just he's got so much pace and he wouldn't, wasn't willing to burn people. Josh Weddle is one of the most confident young men I've seen. He has everything physical-wise. If he fine-tunes the parts of his game, he could be one of the biggest steals in draft you know, not history, but maybe like the last few years because we were weird when he when we kind of picked him, traded like, up the oh, draft what, to get him. Getting an undersized backman, like why are we doing that? We've got heaps of half like half backs, the scrimshaw DGB types. Yeah. Um, and then we're drafting Josh Weddle. Like, how are we going to use him? And now we can kind of see the signs of how we're going to use him. Yeah, it just reinforces Sam Mitchell's and the recruiting staff's genius to actually take a punt and go up, move up the draft to get their man Weddle, which they clearly earmarked as a good potential talent so yeah Weddle had another fantastic game he flies some marks he does everything the coaches want and that's I reckon yeah. his spot in the team is a complete lock you're on the right track I feel like the best thing about Josh Weddle is probably his listening I can just imagine Sam Mitchell telling him Weddle just use your weapons you yeah. you you have the ball and if you see a paddock or some space take it on run through it because yeah. you back yourself because you are one of the fastest players in the side. The only person in our side willing to catch him is probably a Bailey McDonald or Seamus Mitchell. Otherwise, mm. Weddle's, Weddle and Impey are, are probably the next fastest. And we've seen both of them this year being able to back themselves and back their pace and go on some more runs. And, and they've been excellent. And Weddle yesterday in particular. Yeah, the thing that strikes me about Weddle is when he's on his runs and he gets stuck in a corner, he still tries to take the player on. Yeah. There's no hesitation. I love that about him. Yeah, no, he was excellent. And then there was a few times where he was outside 50. I kind of wanted him to have a shot because he was full of confidence. And I'm like, mate, just just have a ping. Like, we just need goals at the moment. And he played a lot of – he had a lot of time on ground. I think he played about 90% of the game, which which is huge for, for a young bloke. Um, yeah, I'm sure Sam Mitchell might use one of the next games to actually rest him and give him a bit of a breather. But otherwise, he, he looks like he's a potential 200-game player. Yeah, I still think that the wing is where he'll belong in the future or at least further up the ground. I think defence is okay, but he's sort of just filling a need. With Blanky out on the weekend especially, he was uh, clearly, you know, thrust back there but on a wing is where i'd like to see a bit more advanced i want to just talk briefly about josh ward and conor mcdonald yeah as you mentioned i've them. got them on my run too yeah. because they're second year players we're starting to see these players really Blossom. come into yeah full afl men elite performers right now because josh ward and, and conor mcdonald i reckon both had great first years in the afl they did what they needed to do right they they got their 15 touches a game get a few goals in there had a couple of breakout sort of games. I know Conor McDonald didn't get a rising star, which is a bit crazy when you think about it and how good he's performing now. Yeah. Josh Ward got one, but none of them really like exploded. They had consistent games. But this year, I really feel like they've come into their own and both of them should be playing for the remainder of the season and locked for the 22. If either of them go back to Box Hill, I'll be disappointed because it means that one of them's either underperformed or someone's take, taken their spot. But right now, I'm really happy. And Conor McDonald especially... Um, from where I saw him last year, bet being a little bit anonymous sometimes, you know, 10 t- sort of touches. He got 27 on the weekend, kicked a goal. Josh Ward, I always knew, could find the footy. And now he sort of found his role at the wing, which I love because our midfield is stacked right now and no one's getting in the inside. So I love it how Conor McDonald and Josh Ward, which we spoke about in the podcast, I think about four or five games ago, we said that they need to find spots outside of the midfield 
to get in the starting 22. And that's exactly what they're doing. And, and I could talk about Connor McDonald all day. I'll park it for a minute and talk about Josh Ward. I like Josh Ward's ability to run defensively. And he was always that guy in the back half that was that outlet option. So when we were winning the ball out of the back, if it was a scrimmers, if it was a hard week, if it was a Weddle, they'd be kicking it to Josh Ward. Josh Ward yeah. would always flood back for that first option. And then we know when Josh Ward gets the ball, he uses his first option. He uses the short kick and he really sets up play. He he makes other players set up play. That's right. Yeah. So he does that really well. And he's, he's, he's running um, and he, his decision-making is, is one of the best in the side. So... Well, yeah, you'd have you have to be happy where he's at since coming back into the side. Yeah, and on that sort of point about Ward's two-way running, you mentioned his defensive capabilities. I was actually looking at the stats before, and I realised that our mids are doing a great job at supporting our defence right now, with Amon Ward, Newcomb, and Day all being in the highest uh, work rates defensively awesome. by kilometres on average speed. Impey was in there too, but he's a defender. But having another four midfielders in there. I know Day kind of played a bit resting back at times, which I really like how Mitchell's doing that, how he's sort of... Day is playing a bit of a hybrid back mid role. Newcomb's playing a bit of a hybrid mid forward role. But I really love how those midfielders are supporting our defence because our defence is leaky and everyone knows it. I think this is the positive that I'm going to turn into a negative. But the positive is that we're not... It it just feels like we're not uh, as leaky. Uh, Although we did lose a lot of games... um, after the bye, we got smashed. The defense is working hard back, which is which is super positive. I feel like that's where in yesterday's game it was noticeable that our forward line, when we were on fast breaks, there was no one to kick it to. There was no one down there. Yeah, and we really struggled on the counter. And yeah, and there was a few times yesterday where, where we really did. And it's like, well, how can we work that hard defensively? And still attack because I feel like Sam Mitchell's been massive on our attack, and that's why Definitely, early in the yeah. season we noticed we we're getting smashed because all we wanted to do when we got the ball use the corridor, keep running, everyone just push up and be an attacking option. And now we've decided, okay, we need to stop the flow. We need to defend when we're when opposition are kicking so many goals in a row. We need to stop the leaks. We need to stop the floodgates from flowing and. Now we're working hard back, but that's just affecting our ability to score now. So we need to find some way to, to meet in the middle and to defend well, but also put a lot of score on the ball. Yeah, I'll actually direct you to something Dermot Brereton said during the week, which I really liked. He said that Mitchell is really focused on us attacking right now, not as much defensively, saying that he reckons it's it's much harder to teach a team how to score than to defend, and that we're doing it right now while we're in our rebuild when it doesn't maybe matter as much. So we're trying to pump big scores on. I thought on the weekend, but our goal kicking was kind of a perfect game for us because if we had, had kicked straight... How many scoring shots did we have? Yeah. 12-16. And we only conceded 40 points, which I thought was even an overestimate for how much they should have kicked because they kicked a couple of you know goals out of that rasp pretty much out the back yeah. or whatnot. But honestly, we yes, you're right. We have to figure out a way to defend more tightly like we did on the weekend, which was fantastic. I mean, we only had 56 turnovers, which was amazing. We only conceded 41 inside 50s. So realistically, we had pretty much a perfect game from a defensive point of view. And if we had kicked straight, the, the attack would have sorted itself out anyway. At two games at Marvel, our last two games at Marvel, we've defended very well. Yep. Saints, I thought we defended quite well. They got a few, you know, arsey goals. But we also defended well this game. So we just got to figure out how to defend these bigger grounds, especially the G and obviously interstate. We're just a mess right now. Sicily, obviously, was a big reason not being in. And he got tagged on the weekend. But I thought Frosty held up really well. Scrimshaw had a great yeah, game. I, I wanted to speak on the scrimmage just before we get to our 3-2-1s. Yep. That was his best game of the year by far. And he started yep. it really well. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot on social media about him either. Three disposals in the first minute, like, 
just really quickly yeah. and he was running off the half back and he was one early that was trying to get the ball rolling attacking that's right yeah from, from the defense i noticed he intercepted a lot and he kept driving it forward and we're like well if we're going to be if scrimmage is going to be playing uh like this all day then we're going to have a good day and he, and he continued that yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because i've seen a lot about frost online which is really warranted because it kept lucky to one goal and that was that counter-attacky goal square, yeah yeah um but Scrimshaw was very good all day, especially intercept marking, which is his forte. But I also thought he wore his opponent quite closely. And I've always been a bit of a basher at Scrimshaw just about his man tracking. Not really. His, he, he plays really well as a loose sort of Sicily's role. He plays well if he's in front and he's sitting in the pockets to get his intercept marks. But sometimes he can lose his man a little bit. I thought he had a pretty good game on the weekend. Well, it's funny because he probably wouldn't be playing on the weekend if Blank was fit. Mm. So he, he would probably been one to go out of the side. So he's... Based off that performance, he keeps his spot for next week, you'd assume. Yeah. I, I do wonder how he'd actually go as a forward. I still have a little bit of a, a thing. because he's said such that a pre-game as well. Such a big good kick for goal. I think he crashes packs pretty good. I think he's pretty, he'd be pretty good on the lead as well. I don't know. So A part of me just just wants to find another forward there. Because Cozzy clearly, for, for me, isn't it? Even though he can, on, on, on a good day, really well support Mitch Lewis. We just need we just need to find an answer. So it's either gonna be through the trade. We, we've spoken a bit personally about you know Jake Riccardi, Savaradikali is also a possibility as like a secondary ruck slash floater defensive forward. There's Harry Himmelberg on the market. Yep. Whether we get him is another question. So you know we we're really trying to find Mitch Lewis's uh, understudy. Absolutely, we'll go to our three two ones. I'm pretty sure we'd have similar. Um, and definitely at number three, uh, where I'm assuming we're both going, James Warple, who absolutely took the piss on the weekend. Yeah, James Warple. And he looked a lot more composed. And even that first goal was a great uh, showing. I, I feel like James Warple was that player that if he got tackled, he kind of dumps the ball straight away. Yeah. He took the tackle, shrugged it, and then managed to hit it on the check side, which was a fantastic goal. He, I mean, if you look at stats here, 32 touches, one goal, three, so he could add more goals. He had four, and that he's, would have been game of his career. He, his uh, lack of, I guess, polish is always going to be a bit of an issue for his game, but if he has a workman's effort like that, we're not going to care about it too much because he pretty much did everything else fantastic. 13 contested possessions, I think it was only one short of the top, which was Newcomb. Uh, 10 score involvement, which was a game high. Seven clearances, nine inside 50s, which I think was Hawthorne's 702 metres gained as well. And that you. as well, yeah. So just, yeah. I don't think anyone cannot put him as a three votes for this game. Absolutely. And I want to pose a question. Is he in best and fairest form based on we've seen him win it in 2019? He had a very good year. Yeah, he has. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think maybe not comparatively in terms of in his best and fairest year, I don't think there was a lot of people competing with him as much. Yeah. Because this year, I think there's been a is lot of better, players. Is he better this year than what he was when he won the best and fairest? Oh, I'm trying to think back to it, honestly. Uh, I know in, in his best and fairest year, he kicked a few goals and, you know, he was... Um, yeah, I, I think his form has probably been more consistent, but he had some massive games that year as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think I don't really... I'm not trying to look at him as a more about his form, but rather how a whole midfield's formed together. I yeah. think has been a, an absolute incredible realization this year because coming into the season, everyone was bagging us because we got rid of Mitch and, and O'Meara. But this year, every midfielder's played well. But yes, uh, Warpool, that was his best game of the year. You talked about him before when he took that tackle and he was composed to and kicked the goal. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed yesterday. That I haven't seen much of him in the past is composure. And you mentioned yeah, that normally yeah. he dumps kicks. Yesterday, he was looking both ways yeah, in traffic, right. trying to find an option, uh, looking where to run. Uh, he, he, as I said at the start of the segment, he was taking the piss. Like yeah. he literally, it was his field. He was just owning it. Yeah, It was his game and he just took it on and it was a different warple. 
and I hope it's turning a corner. And it's funny that earlier in the week, um, they interviewed his manager and his manager's like, oh, there's talks with Hawthorne, but nothing imminent yet. And then he plays a game like that. He's playing for a contract. And, and that yeah. if he wants yep. a contract next year, playing like that is doing him a lot of favours, isn't it? And this is a question with like a conversation we've had a lot personally is because Warple's at that stage of his career, sort of middle age, we have a lot of mids on our list right now who can't even get into the midfield. You know, Henry Houseway, Cooper Stevens, uh, Connor McDonald would probably want to be in there. Josh Ward, I'd say, would want to be in there as well. Ned Long. There's all these players. There's an opportunity whether he increases his capital for trade or we hold on to him. Yeah. So I pose the question to you. Do we hold him or do we sell? We hold. What? Okay. What would we have to get for him for you to want to get rid of him? Literally a player better than his quality. I'm saying that we trade him and a second rounder for LDU, and I take that because LDU is a better player okay. than James Warple. Okay. So we would need to trade. And that but you trade it. But that. what you're saying is you're gonna tr- you, you want a mid for him because of what I'm suggesting here. And I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting you want, you want. I don't think, and we won't know because they're not being played. Yeah. But I don't think a Ned Long, a Henry, maybe a Henry Houseweight, but a Ned Long or a Cam McKenzie. See, this is the issue I'm having right now with the and Hawks. Then you wanna, and then you want to throw in Josh Ward and C-Mac in the middle as well, don't you? Well, I reckon Ward is sort of making his position on the wing right now, which yeah. is interesting because I always saw him as that inside mid sort of player because he's so he uses the first option and he can find a lot of the footy. And I remember his preseason game last year. But I think Wardy actually kind of suits the outside game because he works so hard. Um, so I, I think for now he'll hold the wing spot. The issue I'm having right now is we have so many mids on our list and our midfielders are sort of performing so well. I feel like one of them either needs to go or we might miss out on a potential really good mid beneath them. So my question is, is Warpool going to be better on potential than a, than a McKenzie in two years, a Henry Hussewade in two years, Cooper Stevens in two years, or one of C-Mac or Wardy in the middle in two years? The one- because, what, because I feel like Newcomb's a lock in the midfield, no doubt about it. No one's yeah. wanting to trade Newcomb. And... Then you've got Nash, who I think clearly made his stake as, as our big body midfielder in there. Warple is a fantastic player. And we wouldn't be... Look, I'm not saying we, we'd be fine keeping him. I think it'd be a good idea keeping him because he's a good player. And he's and he's, and he's he's lifted form. I just don't know about his ceiling compared to See, our other mids coming through. This is through. what I feel. And you'll disagree and a lot of listeners will disagree. Go on. Your but opinion. I feel like Ned Long, Cooper Stevens, and Henry Husswaite have the body size... And are probably more similar and could replace Connor Nash more than they could James Warple. So I would almost prefer a midfield of Newcomb Day Warple and one of those with Nash out. Maybe I have a soft spot for Nash. I just can't see Nash dropping his spot right now. Yeah, and we'll get to votes. I'm sure you've got him in the votes as well. You might not. But. I don't have Nash in my votes, actually. Yeah. But I just wanted, I just was looking at his averages before and, you know, averaging over, I think, 25 touches this year is quite incredible for a guy who is only made a midfielder like a season ago, really. I think the thing is, though, Matt, is around midfield, like, they've been performing well as a unit. But are any of them, like, super impactful I feel like Newcomb and Day are super impactful. I feel like Nash and Warple aren't, don't make the same impact as uh, Warple. Maybe, but you have to, you have to have balance, right? Like Warple and Nash's job isn't to hit targets on leads or to do all this flashy stuff. We need, we need workmanlike performances from those sort of players. So what I'm suggesting is you can only keep one of them 
in the long run. Right now, they're working fine together, right? And they mix it up and they put a day in there and whatever. But the only reason why I'm suggesting this, because I think a lot of Hawks fans might not have thought about this, is Warpool's coming to his contract end right now. So if we can magically get something great for him that would fill another position need, would you do it? Because I feel like our midfield's kind of set for the future. And Warpool is one of the older ones. And I don't think you'd be able to get much for Nash anyway, just because of his lack of exposure there. And we wouldn't get rid of Nash, you know, coming bring him over from Ireland. So, yeah, there's a, there's a serious case to be made with Warpool. And I reckon the club have purposely delayed his contract because I reckon they're thinking a little bit ahead about what does his future look like at the football club. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he'll probably get a contract. And I'll be absolutely okay with that. We love the Warpeter. We always have. But... We are designing a team for the next premiership, not the next two years. I know. I wish Will Warple be in it? I just wish you asked me that question after one of his worst games than after yeah, the game it's, he it's played hard. yesterday. Yeah. It's really hard when you see him play the way he played yesterday. He was best on ground by an absolute mile. My my issue, I think, with Warple, my one thing is he, the difference between his best and his worst is just so far. Because on his best day, like we both said in the stands, Warple's MVP, without a doubt, that's it. Yeah. Like, I didn't even have to think about my three two ones this week because I thought they were kind of clear for me, yeah. especially with number three votes, which was uh, James Warple. But where was he for the last couple of years, really? Yeah, I know. Since the BNF, he kind of... Like, I know people made a big deal about, oh, he's mixed with the other midfielders and stuff. But still, like, he, what, he was, he's been getting centre-bounce minutes for his whole career, virtually. I don't know where he's been from his BNF there is, to there now. Is such a thing, there is such thing as dynamics and synergy and yeah. cohesion. Yeah. So, I, I, I do agree with some of that. Oh, he didn't work well with Mitchell. And- oh, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, we didn't even really see much of a hint of it in the last couple of years. Not even like a... We, yeah. saw, we saw glimpses of plays, not games. Mm. So we, there was never a game where we walked out like, oh, Warple was really good today. The, the issue I have, I think, a little bit, and it's more of a personal preference for me than I think a general thing, is I generally gravitate towards more towards players who use the ball well. I don't think any of our midfielders do apart from Will Day. Newcomb yeah, is a little bit but, okay, but... But Warple's that one player I'm just not ultra-confident on grand final day hitting a target or using the ball properly, if that makes sense. Because I Na- Nash, I think, plays to his capabilities. He handballs 90% of the time anyway, and I'm yeah. absolutely fine with that. And when he that. kicks it, it's a bomb clearance. Yeah, even though he's, his field kicking's actually got a lot better, Nash. I will say that. Yeah. He kicked it one around the body to Brockman in the first quarter, which I was like, what? Oh, that was a brilliant kick, wasn't it? So, yeah, Day uses the ball well, and I think Newcomb actually doesn't get as much credit for how he uses the ball. He went at 75% again on the weekend, and I think people just look at him, big boy with long hair, thinking he's just a hack, but I don't actually think he is, so... I would disagree with that comment a little bit. And there's also Dylan Moore who can go in the midfield as well, I will say. But anyway. We've got the same number too, I'm guessing. And, uh, and it was a guy that I said at the end of last episode that I was expecting a big game from. Uh, we, 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 we signed him uh, last year and we're like, oh, when's the breakout game going to come? We've never walked from a ground going, oh, hasn't he been good today? And that's Carl Amon. And I think today was, I mean... <laughs> This weekend was easily his best performance in the Brown and Gold. Yeah, I don't remember what other game he had. I remember one other game I said he GWS sort of... GWS at start of the He year. came on and, yeah, that was sort of the aim on we bought, I said, something along the lines of that. Yeah. But, yeah, on the weekend he was fantastic. And I, I you can clearly see they use him as the inside 50 kick because mm-hmm. they handball until they get to him and he kicks it in there. But I love the goal he kicked. And that's exactly what I'm saying about wingers trying to get on the end of the balls, midfielders trying to get on the end of kicks. He just went for goal there. He's got a laser left kick. We love having a player like that in our team, and he works tirelessly. And he thirty-three touches. I think it was the most of any well, Hawthorne player on the weekend. Well, you talked about him getting inside fifty, and he got in there eight times, and for eighty-four percent from thirty-three touches. With 
kicking it long too, 813 meters game. So that's yeah. that's insane. You, you mentioned his goal. I just feel like he was everywhere, and he yeah. was using the wing. He made his wing the own. He's not the fastest bloke. No, nah, but he's got pace. But he runs all day. He's got pace, though. I wouldn't say he's the slowest bloke either. No. I think the thing with Amon now is he's just fitting into the Hawks team now. Like, the adaptation period sort of coming to an end. And he seems to, like, feel it like takes, he's coming along. It takes new players it does. a season yeah. to to really get into it. I hope and that's we, the case with Lloyd Meek, which noticed, I'm going to get to later on. We noticed that with um, Impey in his first season, and then the next season was the one he did his ACL, but he looked like he was going into All-Australia. That's right. And I, I feel like Eamon's just starting to really perform. Yeah. Um, and, and this weekend was... Hopefully he has another game like this, but uh, this weekend was clearly his, his best for the club. Yeah, great job by the Hawks recruiters. They got one there, and he's going to be so useful for the next few years. Yeah, I just said I want to trade this bloke, but uh, yeah, Nash is my number one. There you so go. He had See, 30... I said I did not want to trade him no matter what, but he wasn't mine. Yeah, he had 32 disposals, nine inside 50s, yeah. and nine score involvements. And probably no real highlights out of the game other than that nice kick to Brocky. But I noticed probably his highlights were, were right in the center circle. And there was a yeah. lot of, I think you noticed yesterday, the stoppages were really scrappy. Mm-hmm. And that just plays into Nash's hands. Our, a lot our of whole times, midfielder plays into the hands if it's a contest-heavy game. There was a lot of times where he was the one with his hands first on the ball or yeah. he was soccering it out of a pack or putting a bump or a shepherd on for someone else. He's, he's a real team player in that midfield. And that's he what is. I like is he brings the other midfielders into the game by using his body. He doesn't need to have it a lot himself, although he Great work rate as well, Nash has. Yeah, exactly. He, he just does everything for his teammates and what his teammates want him to do. And... He, he was superb. I'll, I'll fly a question to you because I love Conan Nash and you know I always have even yeah. when he was uh, a young forward struggling to kick goals. Or touching the footy. Do you think he's one of the biggest rise stories that comes from Hawthorne for the last five years? Because I feel well, like a lot of people thought he was gone. Absolutely. I remember when um, it was him and Conor Glass, the two Irishmen, and, and we thought they were both gone. But there was a time well, one where of we, them went. There was a, yeah, Conor Glass went. And there was a time where I think it might have been 2020 I don't, I don't know if Nash played much and Clarko was kind of giving some of the guys that weren't playing much uh, time in the side to see what they could prove. And Dylan Moore was one that he gave time to that proved so much that he saved himself from being delisted. And Connor Nash was one that was looked like he was on the chopping block and he had a few games and he wasn't that good. And lucky they kept him because it was Sam Mitchell that came back to the club in 2021 and was like, Clarko, chuck him in the gut. Yeah, he saved him, did he? Um, and, and it's worth wonders. Yeah, I just love Conor Nash's rise. Every, I think sometimes I take his performances for granted now, which is kind of crazy considering I'm one of his biggest fans, I feel. Yeah. But I just, it's like normal for him to get over 25 touches and he got, what, 32 on the weekend, which is fantastic. But I just feel like Conor Nash just does what he needs to do every week. He always competes. He has a, every once in a while like an off game, I'd say. But his bone-crunching tackles has to be my favorite part of his game. If he can add goals to his game, I think he's been on a different conversation in mids. But oh. right now, he just struggles to get on the scoreboard. Absolutely. I'm assuming you gave your number one to join you. Yeah, I had to. I, honestly, I reckon on a on a different day where we don't play North and the, all the other players don't, because we could have given our three two ones to a lot of players. Yeah. Newcomb for me was one of the most hardworking in and under. I know he had like eleven clangers or something like that, but the man was in and under to everything. I remember one point like screaming out loud in the stands right next to you because he had someone like that full grabbed him by a tackle, like bear hugged him, and he somehow managed to wriggle out of it like within two seconds and dish it off. And I was just like, how are you that strong? Like it was, it was crazy. His ability to get out of the contest, it really worked in tight spaces. 
his rise is ridiculous. From 11 tackles on his debut to now being a prolific ball winner, he had 33 on the weekend, 14 contested possessions, which was the most of the day, which highlights how much we had to work on the inside. He had nine score involvements and seven clearances. He was a fantastic force to be reckoned with. And there's a reason why the AFL Players Association voted him, or maybe it was the Coach Association, higher than Nick Dacos last year. He's yeah. literally that good. And if it, if it hadn't been for Nick Dacos playing in the same, you know, uh, rising star contention as him, he would have got it. And Love John Newcomb. Nick Dacos has obviously taken his footy to another level. That's right. Yeah. And they're different players, but... Yeah, there's one guy that I want to talk about that's probably gone flown under the radar heaps, and, and he had a fantastic game last week and backed it up this week with a with a nice game as well. And I, I want to see where you think he sits not only in our side but on our list. And it's Finn McGuinness. So yeah. he tagged Taron mm. Thomas to seven disposals in the first half, which was exceptional. And then Harry Sheasel had twenty at halftime, and he, he got on Harry Sheasel. I think Sheasel still had eight or nine, but how many of them were probably from kick-ins? Probably a couple. Um, he was exceptional in, in terms of not only did he tag, but he got the ball 19 times. He had a shot that give it to him again, and he probably kicks it. Yeah, it wasn't um, a far miss. He, he's one that um, I think in the last quarter as well, he stopped tagging Sheasel, and he got off the chain, and he was really starting to pick up possessions and, and really help us in attack. He was playing a bit more forward, and he was one that I was really pleased with on the weekend because he, yeah. he's one that we don't really know where he sits, not only in the side, but but on our list. Well, I spoke pretty strongly about him in the last podcast episode about him being a one-trick pony and how he really needed to add more than just be able to follow someone around all game. And he's gone and half done that. But yes, I, I agree with you. I thought on the weekend, you know, it was the first time I looked at Finn during a game and I'm like, maybe there's something there. Yeah. Maybe there's something there that's beyond just tagging because my, my worry is is that once the tag either hasn't worked, which it always works anyway, or the game just is over in terms of a tag point of view. It becomes a liability. Yeah, what can you do? But he was actually pretty good around the ground and he, and he almost and I really wish he kicked that goal and found his way on the end of one because the 19 touches is really good for a tagger. He kept Taron Thomas quiet. He kept Harry Sheasel quiet in the second half. And then when they sort of let him run around, I thought he was quite serviceable. So that, that's going to be the challenge for him is that can he use the ball well enough and be just a serviceable player. Because otherwise I see him in that sort of Liam Shieldsy sort of role. Tags a little bit, tackles, and then uses the ball on the outside. But I don't know yet. And I'm not going to jump just off one game. Because I haven't seen much else in terms of the last few years other than a tag role. But we'll see. I, he retains his spot in the team, that's for sure for me. Absolutely. And I want to see him go to a certain someone, which I'll mention later on. But... Yeah, good call. Happy that you mentioned Finn. Oh, I, um, I'm harsh on him because I really want to see our players that play for our team have multiple roles and be able to do multiple things that, you know, serve, like, you know, a requisite, I think, for an AFL player. But anyway, good job, Finn. You had a good game, and um, I hope we see you in the team for the rest of the year and doing a little bit more outside of the tag role. He's well, the best tagger in the league, 100%. Oh, 100%. I'm sure we'll be talking about him just in a second because we play Richmond on Saturday afternoon, 1.45 at the MCG. Um, obviously back on the winner's list, a chance, to, both teams back on the winner's list, might I add, and our chance to get consecutive wins. Um, going into this game, I, I, I really don't know what to expect. We obviously played pretty well, but really scrappy against the North team that any other team probably would have flogged by about 80 points. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they probably would have put them to the sword a bit more than what we did. Yeah. That's for sure. But yeah. Yeah, we got Richmond this weekend, which should be an interesting game. So, I Sam Mitchell doesn't really like changing a winning team, but you've got Blank who will exit concussion protocols and mm-hmm. probably slot straight back into the side, and Seamus Mitchell got managed. So, yep. are, are there any more 
ins to that? Do you have who who are you taking out for those blokes? One of the rucks. Yep. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't get on the negatives too much, but I'll I'll say this. I said it last week again. Our rucks are a bit of a man this year. I have I, I haven't walked away from virtually any game. Maybe the Brisbane game. I thought Meek had a pretty good game that game. Yep. Other than that, I haven't walked away from a game thinking, "Geez, our rucks perform well." Well, I don't. I, honestly, I, I thought they were shocking on the weekend. Absolutely, and it was against Tristan Jerry and Callum Coleman Jones. Two marks between no, them. We have, no we, have we have like colossal rucks. Like one's, yeah, Eureka Sky Deck, and the other's Hulk. Now we're lucky that Nankervis isn't playing on the weekend. Yeah. That we probably can afford to go the one ruck. I'm taking Reeves out. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. He, he I think been he's been horrible. less competitive than Meek. And he had, I think... What would that have? I had a stat for him. How many somewhere. free kicks did he give away yesterday? Did you end up checking that? No, I didn't, actually. I, you I, right, I should have done though. that. I, I saw a stat. I think he had, like, second most clangers on the day. And he only had, like, five touches or something. So, Well, second most. That must mean, like, all of his touches were clangers. Yeah. 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 yeah like, I don't know. I think, for me, it's just the marks column. I want to see him up one. Yeah. Like... Yeah, come on. You're the ball is in the clouds half the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel so bad because I, I, I think he's a really nice bloke. I've actually met him in a club once and I thought <laughs> he was um and I think he's got like huge potential. But you gotta do more, surely, to hold your spot. I don't know how I don't know what the Hawks recruiters are seeing in him right now. Sorry, the the team selection panel, because I don't know how you can still justify giving him games. He just hasn't had a form game in ages. I don't I don't even remember the last time he kicked the goal. We have we, we we literally yeah, played it was the last time we played North. We played Tassie. resting rucks yeah. for God's sake, and not one of them managed to kick a goal. And they're so tall. And we we were talking about who's going to support Mitch Lewis. Well, the resting rucks should have been supporting him, but I barely saw him under under any ball. They Look, me didn't have much of a better game, but he was coming in off going to be able to play for Box Hill. So I'll give him a bit of a break, and I think he still works a bit harder around the ground than than Reeves does. But yeah, Reeves is out for me too. So this week I'm going James Blank in for Reeves. Yep. And I'm going Seamus Mitchell in for Fergus Green, who I suspect might still be injured or just, yeah, I, I just wouldn't know who else to take out. I'm taking out Fergus. Yeah, I I had Fergus out too just to give him a rest. I think he was clearly underdone. And, and look, I expect him once he's fit to come right back in because I want to see more of him. And he definitely gets another year contract for me. There's yep. no, without a doubt, only, not one, get only one year. For yeah, me. yeah, of course. Just yep. one, one year takeovers to see if he can really cement a spot. Because um, I don't think Fergus is what we thought he was going to be in terms of a Gunston replacement. He's kicked 15 oh, goals, I, 10. No, I, obviously we're not going to expect him to be the second coming of Jack Gunston and, and of, of that quality. 15 goals, 10 um, for the amount of games he's played. He's, he's an okay Return, but I think it's a pretty good return. I would have expected a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off as you. I think, I think for the most part, he's had a much more than serviceable year. I think he might be on our third highest goal kicking for the year. And he's missed half a year. I think that's a pretty good return. I, I actually think that Fergus has had a pretty good year. I think the issue is it's just a big step up from VFL to AFL. And he can take some growing pains. And he's in the team that's finishing third last. And I think I think he really struggles without that second tall. Like Ferg is in the second tall. Is it? Yeah, third that's tall. right. Um, Gets in the lead more than most of our players do. So yeah. I, I actually, if it was, it was as you said, fifteen goals, ten. If it wasn't for inaccuracy, he'd have a lot more goals this year. But yeah, he comes out for me this week. Uh, I'm putting Ramsden in actually. I don't. Okay, I don't think Ramsden can come in because I don't think the concussion protocols will be gone by Saturday. Oh, okay. 
So, oh, that's fair because you got it. Your Sunday so, concussion. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I don't think Rams and con- I was toying with that too. I'm like, oh, we'll play Rams. So you're talk. taking out uh, a Green and Reeves, and you're yep. putting in Blank and Seamus yep. Mitchell. Yep. Oh, fair, fair, fair enough. So, but you are going to be going with just Meek as a sole ruck. Yeah, because it's against Ivan Soldo. Yeah. I don't know who their resting ruck is. Big challenge for Miki. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, but he's against a ruck that's more around his calibre um, than what... Na- if it was Nan Curvis, we'd need to 100% hit, okay. kill them. Um, I think against Soldo. Uh, Fair enough. Well, well uh, all right. who's your player to watch then? So I've gone with Josh Ward. Oh, I like it. I'm going with Josh Ward. Tell I feel like... The last time he was at the G, he came back against Carlton, played probably his best game of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just got a feeling. I feel like he's just coming into really good form. And, he and is, I, isn't he? I called Carl Amon last week, and I think I'm going to do pretty well going back-to-back. I just feel like it's it's a game where Wardy will fire. Richmond player, a really run-and-gun fast brand, and Wardy is probably our best transition player. So if Wardy's working as hard as what he normally does, then he's probably going to find a lot of it um, on the back of turnovers and, and off the on those chains. Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's a it's a game for Wardy. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily going with this guy because I think he's going to have a, a standout game, but I just want to see a lot from him in this game. So I'm going to highlight him. Denver Granger Barras. Oh, okay. He played sub last week, which I thought was a really interesting choice to play a tall forward, I guess you could say, as a sub. Yeah. I think I want to see him on the ground this week, and I want to see what he can do off a full game of footy when he's not playing on Sam Taylor or any of that Giants back line. I reckon this game, he might be able to get a few goals. He got one on the weekend. I didn't see enough of him, that's for sure, but I'm just going to be watching him closely. That's why it's called players to watch. It's not necessarily I think he's going to have a, a kicker bag of five goals. I just think that third game in now, we had a loss to Giants, which which had a really good defense. We had North, but he only really got a, a quarter on the field. Four quarters on. Let's see what you can do at the G. Now, Richmond are a team that have really troubled us. They have. Um, for forever, even in our premiership yeah. years. I never enjoyed going to these games. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't really like playing Richmond. It always feels like we're going to lose before we're even at, at the G. Um, who, who are some players that really worry you that can get off the chain? I, I think it'd be interesting to see how mm. we go up against uh, Taranto and Hopper yep. this week. I feel like they're really similar in the midfield to, to what we are. Um, they've got their kind of players that are good at winning the ball, but their disposal efficiency isn't great. Um, and and it, they remind me of, obviously, when we signed Mitchell and O'Meara, yeah. uh, Taranto and Hopper, and obviously Taranto's having almost a, a Brownlow season. So yeah, they're two great, players yeah. that um, can really get off the chain. But for me, it's Shea Bolton, Dustin Martin. And Dustin Martin was really lucky to get off from suspension. He got a $3,000 fine. Finnington, he was involved in. Um, and, and Shea Bolton is just one that can be everywhere and he's really hard to maintain. I think Hardwick last year actually did a really good job on him or whoever was on him. This is where we do talk about Finn. So, that's, that's right. That's right. So if you're Sam Mitchell, which Richmond player scares you and which one are you trusting Finn to go to and, and do a really good job on? I feel like Shea, Shea Bolton's a hard one because... He plays mid and forward, but we saw what Finn did to Taron Thomas that actually plays a really similar position to Shea Bolton, mm-hmm. um, and he did the same. Are you are you sending Finn to Shea Bolton, or are you sending him to one of their mids or Dusty Martin? So, he, hear me out here. So, yeah, Finn's going to Shea, definitely, Yeah, if he All plays right. forward. If he's in the center bounces, I reckon get Big Nashy on him. Huge, can block his run pass, and he can overly chase him down as well because Nash is quite quick for his size. 
So, I, yeah, we're going to have, have to put some work into Shea Bolden. I'm not really worried about tagging a Dustin Mark because they will just park him at the forward pocket and he'll overpower Finn easy. I think it, Finn can run with anyone, and I reckon Finn goes to Shy because he's, for me, the most damaging player for them. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I was thinking when you said, like, Nash, you can just get Shea in the center bounce. I was worried for a sec because I'm like, well, no, because if Nashi doesn't go to their bulky midfielder, then they'll get off the but chain. But we have all bulky yeah, mids. they'll get off the chain. Then I was thinking, well, there's not any of our midfielders that couldn't take a Hopper, Taranto, or Prestia because they're not really big-body midfielders anyway. So if he does go to a Shea Bolton, um, then, then they'll be fine. Yeah, but the great thing about what we've seen about Finn's game, which they had on the weekend, was that he can switch players between games and and i think that's what was the problem the week before we saw uh canelio get off the track yeah, off the chain yeah. and and we stuck finn to josh cully for the whole game and i think that was lessons from that game we brought into the north melbourne game yeah. and, and we actually swapped players. finn could go to taranto i think in all fairness just based on form okay okay and and i don't i might be beaten in the ass because like he might have the best game of his career but I don't think Taranto is damaging enough by foot to tag. He's going to get the ball. And I think that's the same reason we didn't uh, we didn't target Cornelio um, the week prior. But they're he's, similar sort of. Like, I, I've looked at Taranto's stats across the year. He's kicked a lot of goals. Yeah, he has. A lot of goals. I, I don't want to see him. The issue I'm having with Richmond right now, when I, I went, I actually did do a bit of a deep dive this week into off of our analysis because I reckon this is... When the Hawks win one, we can sort of get on a bit of a excitement roll. And I think this is a really big game for the Hawks. And I reckon internally at the club right now, they're thinking, okay, we took out North Melbourne, but can we take out a bigger fish this week? Absolutely. And I think Richmond is sort of there for the taking, actually. I'm not going to say we're going to win, and I don't, and I haven't tipped us, which hurts me. I haven't either. But yeah. I think this is a really good chance, actually, to bring it up to Richmond and at least get within a goal of them. I think right now, yeah, when we're looking at this, uh, they're there for the taking. But... Taranto and sorry I'll go back to the point I was trying to make their mids is what worried me and where their scores come from so they actually score quite well Richmond and I looked at their efficiency inside 50 it's quite high usually it's around the 50% mark even higher now we struggle direly with defending inside inside our own defensive 50 but most of their goals actually come from like range players so like Jaden Short off the edge Baker Taranto Dustin Martin, like they're all midfielders. Yeah. So I was actually looking at where the goals come from because Tom Lynch isn't playing, which is fantastic for us. Now, usually we got blank on, on Lynch and the game's over before it's even started. But this week, I'm not really worried about the key position players as much. It's like, yeah, they've got the dangerous grimes and all that sort of stuff. But I'm actually really worried about their mids just streaming to 50, kicking them from the edge of 50 and kicking heaps of goals. Yeah. So I reckon our, this is the game where what we spoke about what worked well against North is our mids have to work really hard defensively this week because if Toronto gets at the back of a stoppage or Baker or Shy Bolton, then we're gone. So we, I really want to see how well we can claim down this midfield because it's not as so that the Richmond players dominate the midfield. They just they just manage to get themselves forward and kick easy goals. And we're really bad at four, our defensive half stoppages. So that's, a, that's for me, the key to winning is to really lock down that area of the ground. Um, the one loss they did have against Brisbane and down the Gabba, they got smashed in the coal face. Yep. And that showed how much territory matters to get it against Richmond. We don't want them to lock in their 50 and then kicking easy goals off snaps from Shy Bolden and... Tim Taranto and all these other and Green and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I feel like yeah. um I feel like Dusty Martin and and, and Shea Bolton are, are ones that will really hurt us from inside fifty forward stoppages. Yeah, um that's an area that we've really struggled this year is defending stoppages inside our fifty. Um, and Richmond are a team that I feel like can exploit it. And, and obviously also on the outskirts of fifty, like you mentioned, all those guys. Dan Rioli is another one that can really just 
run path for a handball and, and kick a nice long range goal. Yeah, so so they've, they've, got, got, a lot other, of, they've got the weapons. Yeah. They've got a lot of players that do have weapons that can trouble us. And I think that's what's always worried me about Richmond and playing that game that we did on the weekend, bombing it to Mitch Lewis two on one. Well, Tyler Young and Dylan Grimes are just going to eat that up. Yep. We, can't, we can't play that way. Um, and, they, and they've got really good small defenders as well. So we need to find different avenues to goal this week. Um, I'm sure that's one thing that will be a focus uh, in training this week is is how can we exploit Richmond's defence? How yeah. can we really... Like, we're, we're obviously scoring. We had that many scoring shots on the weekend. How can we convert them to goals? And how can we get shots from, from better spots? Because some of yeah. our misses, although they were easy... There was a lot where we were pinging them from outside 50 and there was also a lot where we were kicking them from angles that are low percentage shots as well. Yeah, that's sort of what I got written here is um, the one area of the of our game that really hasn't probably developed in the last two years under Sam Mitchell. And he's trying so hard because there's so much of a focus on it. It's just we can't seem to crack 100 points really easily. No. Like we're really struggling to put on a big score. So we've got to find a way to start putting on these big scores because I feel like if you don't put a scoreboard pressure on, the other team's always in it. And even on the weekend, to only kick 88 points against North and how bad they were. I mean, they were kicking balls out of bounds off the boundary lines and they were kicking it right to us. I mean, it was kind of a, a joke how bad they were. I'm not surprised they're in a bit of crisis right now. 88 points for me was still a bit of a, a fail. Way too, way too low. Yeah. Our defense did so well, but I, I want to see us be able to score over 100 points, especially at Marvel Stadium or something like that. Well, to be honest, mate, I feel like if we did get two late goals and crack the tiny, it would be paper over the cracks. I feel like it's an issue that we had to have in a nice easy win is just being like yeah. oh let's strip it back were we really that good I think three goals 13 speaks for itself it's, it was never really going to be paper over the cracks but yeah. I, I know what you mean from a scoreboard point of view it might have looked better than what it should have been but uh, so yeah. how do we beat them yeah that's a good point I mean I, I mentioned it a second ago I think our mids have to work really well two ways we've got to shut down the midfield I think we actually have to win generally the midfield battle this week I know it's kind of simple and just get and, and similar I know I say it every week but just win the territory like you, I think our defense is that leaky right now. If the ball lives in their forward line, they'll kick a goal. They'll yep. find ways. We need to start like holding it and trapping it now half of the ground. And we had 15 tackles inside 50 on the weekend, which is fantastic. So if we can do a similar game in North, we'll win. But look, I, I don't know how the game's going to unfold. I just think that we, we've got to start dominating the cold face against them because if they're mid start kicking all the goals, then we're going to struggle. I think we need to ditch the let's lose the clearance and, and win the ball back from defence. I feel like that's a way Richmond can really exploit us that if they do yeah. start winning the clearances and we're just trying to trust a run and gun play from half back, it's not going to work. They set up really well. Um, with zones. Yeah, that, that's like something that. we always struggle with, like Grimes floating across as a third man up and everything the, like that. If we have to keep attacking from defensive 50, um, it's not going to work. So every time we get, every time a goal scored, whether it be us or them, and it goes back to the centre bounce, we really need to make those opportunities yeah. count. And then obviously forward pressure to force a turnover in the middle of the ground and not by the time it gets to Richmond's forward 50. So similar to how Brisbane beat them, just win at the cold face, really yep. try and win contested possessions, clearances, and just push them forward constantly. Yeah, because I feel like their mids don't work that well defensively. No. Like, if you think about them all, all their, almost all their mids are really... Maybe pressed here. Yeah, yeah, fair. But almost all their other mids are forward-thinking midfielders. And is Jack Graham playing? I'm pretty sure he's pretty defensive as well. Yeah, um, okay. But, 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 but Hopper and... You, know, you look at Hopper and Green and... Taranto. And Taranto and Dusty, and, you know, like, they're all very goal kicky type forward mids even Baker floats forward more than often so yeah the cold face I'm going to say tips Richmond by 10 but I think that's an optimistic tip 
I think that I was so oh well, I was I was so disappointed of our last MCG visit when we played Carlton. I think we need to rectify it this week and at least be competitive. I don't really care too much if we win. I mean, obviously I care. I want us to win, but I won't be disappointed if we lost a close one against Richmond, who really are pushing for a top eight spot and they're a pretty good team on their day. I hope we get within 20 at least, but I'm going to say Richmond by 10. I think it's a good thing that we're pretty much locked in 16th spot. Like we yeah. can win almost as much as we can, hoping Frio win a few games as well and probably not jump them or anyone around that mark. Um, so we've, we've really got nothing to lose. Put it all out there in saying that I think Richmond by 20. I just feel like they're, they're just that little bit too strong for us currently. But it's it's good to go up against a side that should be better than us, could have been pushing finals, had the, and they kind of are to an extent. I think they are. Um, yeah, it'd be, it's, it's a really good test to see where we're at against better opposition. Yeah, and I want to see us sort of scalp one of those teams between 13th and 6th. Well, this is how I see it coming into the run home, is is I feel like we will win Freo at the G, and we we could win one of this week's against Richmond, St Kilda at Marvel, and Bulldogs in Tassie. And I'd be happy with two more wins for the rest of the year. Yeah. Bulldogs and Tassie is an interesting one because we play quite well there. I reckon this one, if out of those three games, if we won this weekend, it'd be the best win out of the three, though. Because Richmond play well at the G, and we historically don't play well against them, against Richmond. So we've already been Saints there. It'd be nice to do it again. Not saying that, but they're in a bit of a rabble right now as well. They're, they're almost dropping out of the eight. And then Dogs down at home, I actually expect us naturally to be competitive there because they're our home ground, and we play pretty well in Tassie, and I don't really rate the Dogs either. This weekend, I reckon, is a big one where if we walked away with a win, I'd be over the moon. I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, I, um, it's one of those games where I don't care how we win, just win. Like, on the weekend, we versed a poor opposition that I wanted to win nicely. Yeah. This week, I don't, I don't give a shit how we win, just win the game. I have a question for you. How far are we away from our best 22 right now in terms of... Because we don't have a lot of injuries, right? Like, obviously, CJ has been playing and some people might have him in, some people might not. Do you, in an ideal world, what would our 22 look like that's different from sort of now? Well, if the changes go through that I suggested earlier, I genuinely think apart from maybe CJ being in that side, that is our best team. So DGB is in our best team? Yeah. Really? That's a big call. I don't think he's done much to suggest I mean, that. And I, I mean, have him in, but I don't even think that. I mean, I feel like if I swap Cozzy in there for DGB, it doesn't make the most of a difference. It shows you how lacking we are in that key forward yeah. position, though. That's probably the only thing I'd make is maybe Cozzy for DGB. Otherwise, yeah, Cozzy and CJ are probably the only players that aren't going to be playing this week that would be pushing our best 22. Otherwise, I've got everyone in there. Okay. I understand it's a long episode, but I really want to mention this because we're sort of three quarters away for the season. It's coming to an end. We're thinking about some of the Box Hill performances. I looked on the... St- I was kind of disappointed. I know we won on the weekend, even though it was only a close one. And North have been pretty good in VFL. Yeah, bad. okay, fair enough. And we had a few missing, like, obviously we didn't have a recognised ruck because Meek came in the last minute. But we're starting to hit that point now where some people, or well, most players that are without a contract or all of them are playing for their careers. We're looking at, you know, obviously some people aren't going to be with us next year and some people haven't been able to crack in the team yet. I was just thinking about it when I was reading the VFL player ratings. I didn't see any much that stood out to me beyond maybe Sam Butler had a pretty good game. But I was looking at the likes of like Emerson Jecker and some of the other sort of tall timber in that area. Um, even obviously Josh Morris for me is pretty much gone. Henry Huswake, Cooper Stevens had pretty average games. Cam McKenzie had an okay game. 
what are your sort of thoughts on these players? Any, any of them make it for you or another contract? Do you reckon a lot of those Box Hill players that are don't have another contract next year aren't going to make it? Because you, cause you've said that our 22 is pretty much locked in. Yeah, well, that's 22. You need a squad, obviously. And uh, I feel like there's so many players in Box Hill that have a lot of potential. And we've said those, we've said numerous names this podcast multiple times. Like, but what about the players that don't have a contract? Like, obviously, Huss, Wade, and O'Sullivan, who I actually really want to see at AFL level really soon. Um, those kind of players, because they're a first year, they're going to have another season least. But what about the players that uh, have been list for the, a couple of games? Uh, the seasons? only players. Uh, the only first year players that I can't see on the list next year is Josh Bennett's. I feel well, like yeah, he's a he might be. Player, isn't he? No, he's just a rookie, and I, I feel yeah. like he might be one of the more unlucky ones. Maybe, um, but he's got time on his side. Like he could have a brilliant VFL season next year. He won't get delisted at the end of this year, will he? Yeah, he might. Oh, okay, they, they do. They, they, I mean, you have to delist a certain amount of players. I reckon they'd be harsh. I mean, but what what, what about the other Boxfield players? Any others you think could be delisted in the year? I feel like my big two. Uh, Ejeka and Josh Morris. See, Ejeka's disappointing me the most. I know he has had a lot of injuries this year, so it might be a bit of a harsh call. But with our lack of tools coming through and competitiveness in that area, he's the one that he was playing at this stage last year, down back, I think, yeah, in the, in the senior team. So I remember last time he played Richmond, he was definitely playing. And Josh Morris was too, ironically. But neither of those two players, they've actually been overrun by first years for the most part in Josh Weddle and, you know, Seamus Mitchell's not a first year, but he got re picked up. Jack is the one, I think, where I sort of saw him come up a couple of years ago in the VFL, and I, I just would have liked him next to Mitchell Lewis to see what he could do. I'm really disappointed that he hasn't come Come on. Yeah, he's definitely one for me. Obviously, he's a really nice size, has potential to play both ends of the ground, and is a really athletic build, but there's question marks. Do we give him a shot before the end of the year effort. to see what he can do? I think so. Or do you reckon he's kind of gone? I think so. I think um, there's definitely an opportunity if he gets a bit more fit. I know he's been carrying injury for a lot of the year, but there's obviously spaces. We've tried a lot of guys. We're trialing DGB right now. I know that Brandon Ryan's probably going to go to trials soon oh, as well. Oh, that's a good point. I don't um, think he did much on the weekend. And though. Max Ramsden he, he would have got a trial this week. So I feel like Sam Mitchell's trying to rotate players yeah, in certain positions. And, and Jack is one whose contract's being teared up currently that if he doesn't get an opportunity before the year's end in the seniors, then he's certainly gone. Even the fact that they had to switch him to back and they've put DGB forward just shows that they're just trying to find positions for these guys to actually play good footy. And it's it's kind of weird considering that the Box Hill team does so well every week. Like, I think we're yeah. third in the ladder right now in, in Smithy's VFL. So, it's interesting. I think Josh Morris is just about gone. There's two players that are around the best 22 that I think go at the end of the year. Don't say Bramble. No, I'm not saying Bramble, but he did just cross my mind in that sentence. But he's probably better than the... the For me, he's probably the most unlucky VFL player right now just because of, like, spots. I think he's actually one of the more consistent performers in all leagues. And I think in another team, he probably gets a game. But right now, because of Wardy coming back in, yeah, I think he's unlucky. But who are you going to say? I'm going with both Harry Morrison and Cozzy. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think either of them. But especially, I feel like we are going to look for the Cozzy replacement. And with a Cozzy replacement, although it's good to have depth, there's not going to be a spot with us recruiting Brandon Ryan. Is will probably end up being that depth. Max Ramsden, of of course, is being trained as a forward more yeah, than Ram, a ruck. Yeah, Ram, Ram is a really good future thing. Yeah, a player. He, he's, he's more of a forward than a ruck. So you've yeah. got Ryan, Ramsden, and then hopefully recruiting 
a key forward, whether it be Riccardi or, or our first draft pick or whatever, to, to become that player next to Mitchell as I think Cozzy goes. And I feel like Morrison, I just don't see any more to his ceiling than what players are already offering. Like we, we mentioned before that Weddle's been playing defense, but we want to push him up on a wing. We've got Carl Amon that is going to be playing for years, even though he's 27, 28 years old. He's, he's got a long life yeah, as a footy player. So we've got our wings covered that obviously you need depth, but that depth at the moment is Bramble more so than Morrison. So yeah. players like Morrison and Kaczynski are not on the list next year. And if you told me three weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have had Finn on the list either. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's exactly it, isn't it? It's just if you can make your senior spot count when you're in there. Yeah. See, the thing with Morrison, I think, I actually reckon he's by skill level good enough to be in the 22. He just had too many seasons of chances now where if Josh Ward's taking your spot right now after being concussed for a bit and whatnot, you're really kind of struggling to find a future at Hawthorne because he really should be solidified. I mean, he's been there since he was in our 2018 finals campaign, for God's sake, and we yeah. remember that. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that if he's not making it now, he's going to be he's running the risk of being the Dan Howe of Hawthorne, yeah. which is that player who sits on the wing, a utility, comes in and out of the side when needed, but really can't lock down a spot. So I'm the same as you. I think Morrison's pretty much on his way out. Otherwise, he'll just be like a Dan Howe and just withering away at Hawks. Well, these are discussions we're going to be having for weeks to come as we end the, the end of the season. Yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. I think it's important to have these conversations. I know a lot of fans are going to start thinking about this because we are looking to our future. As you mentioned, we sort of look at the, the third draft pick's going to be ours, it looks like. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about the drafts coming in the in, well, in the coming weeks. But, um, but yeah. And these conversations, I think it's interesting to talk about it now because we'll listen back at the end of the year and it'll be yeah. a completely different conversation. Like, as I just mentioned, that three weeks ago, I would have had McGuinness not on the list next year and now he's had two really good games in a row and suddenly, well, I can't see him not being on the list. So there's there's obviously players like that. And then you never know, you might have a shocker on the weekend and we're back to, oh, let's do this Finn McGuinness. So, yeah, I don't know. I think these sort of thoughts change week by week or month by month more so um, than anything. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting it, to it see the be. conversations we have. And Hawks aren't afraid to um, give people second chances. You look, and you have to look at Dylan Moore and Seamus Mitchell. Mitchell and to look at how... You can sort of, I feel, you know, I doubt any of the VFL players listening right now, but you can make your time count in the rest of the year. You might get a spot again. If Sam Mitchell believes in you and sees your potential, then that's almost enough. But there is a time where you just really have to show it. It's a tough time of year. You never want to see players get delisted. The other one I'm interested in is Jaisa Wrong a little bit. He's he's playing pretty well right now down back. And I don't really know how he fits in down back necessarily. Because is he tall enough to play full key defender? Yeah, or? I, th- I think so. I think it's out of him or Jekka that keeps the spot, actually. Well, like, right now, it's got to be strong. Yeah, 100%. On form. 100%. But we could be talking three weeks, and it's like, well, Jekka's had the three best Box Hill games of his life. Apparently, he did have him. a big third quarter, Jekka, and he wasn't aiming the best, so he had an okay game. But yep. I'm just not sure if it's enough right now. Well, time will tell. All right. So, how can you find us, Jamie? You can find us on all social media, being Facebook, uh Twitter, Instagram, and now Threads. And if you want to listen to us, mate, we're everywhere. We're on Spotify, we're on Amazon, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. Um, leave a review. It helps our ranking. Um, I know all Hawthorne supporters want as much Hawthorne content out there. So if that can find other people in the brown and gold and fans like us and you guys, um, then that would be excellent. Yeah, and we really love what we do here at the um, 
Hawthorne fan cast. We're trying to like really document, I guess, these are. Uh, Dark days, I guess you could say. Well, re- no, I would say enlightening days for the Hawthorne Football Club as we cl- try and climb back up the ladder back to our hopefully future glory days. And I reckon it'd be really fun listening back um, you know, in a couple of years' time to see how far the team's come. Because I don't know about you, James, but I'm really enjoying this period of the club, even though I know we're losing a lot of weeks and we're getting some hidings, that's for sure. Just enjoying watching the boys sort of grow before our eyes, like yeah. watching Weddle on the weekend burn three players and... You know, watching um, Mitch Lewis kicking bags every week and even Luke Bruce in his prime, sorry, in his uh, latter years, even having a crack. It just it just warms my heart a lot. And I want to see these guys, see how, what they become in even a couple of years' time. Even seeing what we spoke about, McDonald and Ward blowing up on the weekend. It's just, it's well, just really great to see. It's going to be rewarding when we can say that we were there um, showing up every week when we weren't so good, but we were there seeing the signs of these young players that... Are hopefully going to end up being superstars of the brown and gold and 150 to 200 to 300 game players for the Mighty Hawks. And speaking of getting down, keep getting down the games, guys. We, we've been every home game this year, I believe. Every game, every Melbourne game. That's right, every see. every Melbourne game this year. And um, I thought the crowd was quite good, um, especially the Hawks faithful yeah. against North. And I, wanna, I, I Hopefully we keep seeing that and uh, everyone's recognising the potential of the boys. I think it really lifts our young boys up and, uh, yeah, just... Helps us look like we're returned to the glory days a lot. Uh, you know, we were sitting there a couple of years ago, empty stands, a lot on those Sunday 320 spots. So it's good to see our Hawks fans getting back down to the games as well. Absolutely. Well, we'll be there cheering on the boys on Saturday. I hope you guys are too, and you never know, we may not lose again. <laughs> Until next week, Matt, go Hawks. Go the Hawks.